Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello, and welcome to Stalking Time for the Moon Boys with me, David Baddiel, and... Tim Hinks. Hello, David. How are you doing? It's always great that moment, isn't it? We've really made a way. I feel of the pressure it build up normal. when you introduce me. I'm thinking, what am I going to say? It's Tim Hinks, by the way. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. Tim Hinks. Oh no! Actually, that's happened because we have a young person with us today. Phone going off. Hello. Uh, obviously, their phone has gone off. So the young person is uh, Leo Fincham. Uh, now, regular listeners will know that we do this show in Peter Fincham's house. Peter Fincham uh, is Tim's co-owner of Expectation Entertainment. He doesn't co-own me. Yeah, we co-own a company. I thought we did actually own you. And uh, so we normally do it in Peter's shed, which is a brilliant space. Mm. There's lots of music stuff in it, but it's a bit cold today, and also mm. he's got some work <laughs> doing on the shed. So we're instead we're in his living room, mm. which is lovely. It's a lovely. There's a fire going oh, in the fire. It's Christmassy. It's very Christmassy. It? It's yeah. like a John Lewis advert in here. Well, it's got fire in it. Yeah, it's got it's a fire and, and the piano. That'll do. It's, it's um, lovely. And uh, and his son Leo is here. And so Leo was just talking just now on the stairs about something to do with Bowie. I like the fact that when you're saying Leo is here, your what? arm is out My introducing out. him as if people can see it. Yeah. Well, in the way that when you're mouthing at someone in the car, you yeah. actually speak out loud quietly, don't yeah, but you? I think that's one of the things about, about life, isn't it, that you may have noticed, mm. is that people, you know, when they can't see someone, still do gestures. Yeah. And that's what you're noticing. Yeah, but that's, what that's, that's exactly the point I'm <laughs> yeah, making, yeah, to be honest. Yeah, it's worth okay. making again. It's worth making again, yeah. Um, so, Leo... Um, we were just on the stairs. We were having a chat. Tell us what we spoke about. What were you concerned about? So I had mentioned and was inquiring if you guys knew anything about the relationship between Nine Inch Nails and Bowie. And for that matter, Bowie's relationship with other perhaps younger, more relevant artists. Mm. Yeah. In a later point. In How old career. are you? I'm 20. Right. And you're into Nine Inch Nails, or you were? I, I was probably... Actually, got into Nine Inch Nails through Bowie, so I thank him for that. Oh right! But I do slightly question their relationship or mm. kind of Bowie's intentions. When when was it? When did I get? Into no, when, well, oh. yeah. Well, when was I? Don't remember. It's like the nineties so or like, early two thousands. So Just... basically, Bowie and Trent Reznor did a tour together. I think nineteen. 19- 90, it's 95. I've just, I, I tell you, since we passed upon the stair yeah. when we saw Leo, yeah. that's he was, he was that there. reference, Leo. Just, he was there, <laughs> yeah, he was there. But uh, 95, Leo, is when they got together, yeah. um, for, on, on the outside tour, yeah. And it's interesting you bring it up because I, I, I mean, I'm cheating because I did Google it, um, um, but what this was a really big challenge for Bowie because the audience were very nine inch nails and it went down right. quite badly. I did it, and in fact, in a, there's a quote from him. Which, where he says the audience was almost 100% nails uh, audience, you know. Really? So in other words, he had to he had to try and adjust to that. And you didn't mean it, they were actually nails. Was I that, think it was very nails. actually he said it. And it was therefore it was, it was spookily we quiet. It was incredibly a very quiet. specific niche yeah. hardware shop. And he did a B and Q tour, <laughs> yeah. of, um, and he had wow. to adjust. He said he had to adjust emotionally to the fact we were going to be challenged every day. What it means is people didn't give a toss about his music. <laughs> they were all waiting for what? I don't even know what's Nine Inch Nail big song, Leo. What would that hurt? Hurt. Okay. Oh yeah. Johnny Cash covered. Right. Uh, closer. Right. I think I think the reason that it's interesting in the example mm. of Nine Inch Nails is because I think Bowie was definitely right in that I think Nine Inch Nails are 
incredibly talented. Trent Reznor's incredibly talented. And that it was like Bowie was in the 70s, music that was really pushing boundaries. Right. But I think that, like, to kind of hijack someone's tour when they've just released their number one groundbreaking masterpiece right. and they're touring the world. But the thing is, Leo, right, that's about, this is the point that I think Leo is making, which is that it was Bowie sort of piggybacking on Trent Reznor's yeah. coolness. But let's not forget... Trent could have said no. You said you've used the word hijack there, he could which have implies said no. that Bowie basically held Trent Reznor at gunpoint and said, I "Either like I come it, with you, is that what you're suggesting?" I kind of think it because because Trent Reznor was a massive Bowie fan. Yeah. Right. Trent Reznor's what, like 22 years old. Right. It kind of is a gun. I mean, like. No one can do? say no to Bowie. Is what you're saying? No one can say no to Bowie. But isn't there another way of looking at it? The mic a bit more. No one can say no to Bowie. <laughs> There's another way of looking at Leo, which is that. I was in, still technically am in, a band with your dad. If, is, this, is this a good analogy? Can I just flag a red flag? Is it similar? I, if, you're, if the question is how often do people go from Bowie to talking about Peter and I's band regularly, yeah. it's, so it's, you know, it's, not, it's an easy step. If Bowie had called us, he didn't, but if he had, and said, oh, by the way, I want you to come on tour with us. Yeah, or, if, we, or you, I think, on tour with well, you. Well, so can I come on so tour? On, on your, what do you normally play, like TV festivals and stuff? Uh, we've played Latitude, we've played oh. a TV festival. We've, right. I mean, have we or haven't we played in America? Say, I'm not going to be drawn on that. We've played with some real celebrities. Yeah. We've played with yeah. Gary Barlow. Yeah. Okay. We've played with Bradley Walsh. Well, yeah. well so, Bradley Walsh, the biggest selling album of last year. Yeah. Yeah. I believe. Okay, yeah. so, so uh, it's okay, not it's David going, Bowie. But no, it's not. I would have said no. you possibly listed those in the wrong order <laughs> <laughs> as a build up <laughs> yeah. to go Gary yeah. Barlow, yeah. Well, he said Bradley quite Walsh, quietly. and then Vernon Kay. Quite quietly. Much as we love them all. Oh, I love them all. They're all fabulous people. But since we started with Bowie, I'm not sure it quite hit the mark. But I would have felt Leo credibility I mean you know we're, we were we are, were and are a very credible band not not in question yeah. but Bowie saying can I come on tour would be I a moment of our never life. called you well, not recently. Now, now it seems unlikely <laughs> but uh, yeah so many years he could have called. What, what you called again we're called no expectations well that might be partly why <laughs> It's possible, yeah. <laughs> no, we certainly didn't think you'd agree. Didn't expect as you the was going to call. Um, so, yes, but, no, but I take your point. I think it's a very interesting point, right? And that, you, you're seeing it from the other point of view. Although you did say you got into Trent, uh, into Night Sales via so Bowie. So you were a Bowie fan. I'm a massive Bowie fan. Yeah. But I think that it's not necessarily... If they were doing a tour in which it was, you know, Nine Inch Nails opened and then Bowie or vice versa, that'd be okay. But it's the fact that Bowie requested that they shared the stage. Right, did he? Much like he did with Morrissey. And so Morrissey they literally were on the stage. As, yeah. as we know, Morrissey, which I've always thought is hilarious, got upset halfway through that tour because what they did was uh, yeah. Morrissey went on, would do a, his bit, and then there'd never be a moment when he actually ended and got his applause. He just wandered mm. off and Burry came on. And that the idea was that was an interesting bit of choreography, but really it was just... Morrissey never got yeah, his applause, yeah, yeah. and for yeah. Morrissey not mm. getting the applause, I think mm. was always a problem. Too much. Yeah, yeah. Can I can I ask you a question, um, uh, which occurs to me as we talk about this? I'm Leo's dad, by the way. Yeah. Um, I thought uh, I didn't actually say I that. I just said I just said Peter Fincher was here and Leo uh, Fincher. So people you, might be thinking what? his brother, his cousin, his uncle, but it's your son. Because I think there is a thing about that that is in the Nine Inch Nails story. I can think of another parallel. Um, those late interviews of John Lennon just before he died literally the couple of days before he died, he keeps mentioning the B-52s. And you sort of think, he's trying to be cool. He's trying that. to get down with it the kids. The he's worst heard their album, I love and that. he thinks they are the thing. The There's only band he's aware of. I know what made me cool, Rock Lobster. It, Thank God the last thing he hadn't heard was Joe Dolce, because that would have been... Um... Exactly. So here's my question. When Bowie collaborated with Queen on Under Pressure, mm. who was the Nine Inch Nails? 
Or is that different? Because well, Mick Jagger on Dancing in the Streets. Well, again, yeah, exactly. Is that different because they're both megastars, mm. so they meet each other... Yeah. That, well, that's a good question. Who wrote it? Well, that baseline at the beginning—that's John Deacon, isn't it? That sort of. Boom, but boom, is, boom, is boom, Bowie boom. on that? But is Bowie presumably Bowie phoned up Freddie Mercury and said, "I must have publishing on this." Is, isn't it the case because it's, it's it's like one of those songs that's made up of scraps lying around on a kind yeah. of studio, yeah. studio floor? Yeah. Isn't it the case that uh, that Freddie Mercury goes into sort of scat singing in it because he hasn't actually had time to write any lyrics? Yeah, that may be and right. And they just they just keep it. Yeah. He, he just starts going boom, 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 you know, sort of all over yeah. the place. I think it's brilliant though. It feels like a song that's been written for a purpose, like, like uh, All You Need Is Love was written for that big, br- big broadcast. And, and it ought to be bad. He runs out of lyrics, it's half Queen, half Bowie, and yet, weirdly, it's brilliant. Do you want to just play it? Yeah. Let's play a bit of Under Pressure. Who wrote the lyrics is the question, I think, of Under Pressure. If you actually were to break it down, the bits that Freddie Mercury sings versus the bits that Bowie sings... It's a good question. ...are the yeah. bits that Freddie Mercury... Because at the end of the day, Queen, who I think of as 12 songs brilliant, if you mind. Yes. That's what I think of. Yeah. I sort of think of Van Morrison, yeah. Elvis Costello, Queen, as 12 songs brilliant. Yeah. And that's my definition for a brilliant artist, but not as brilliant as Bowie, because... Yeah. I can't really think of more than about 12 no, no. songs that are absolutely yeah. brilliant. And I would have thought that if you actually break it down, you probably would, if you assume that Freddie's singing Freddie's lyrics and Bowie's singing Bowie's lyrics, you'd notice quite a big difference. And I, I don't know, but I think yeah. that I bet Freddie's lyrics are just kind of inspirational about love and why can't we just love each other? Yeah. And Bowie's are weird and alienated. Yes. And like what you just said about dark love and whatever. Yeah, and 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 um, the terror of knowing what life is about. That's so Bowie, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, I mean it, the, the um, idea I that think... they did it separately suggests to me that Bowie was basically writing a completely different song. It is when Ooh, oh, that's the problem is that could be that here. could be Freddie Mercury's management now. <laughs> it could be it could be Freddie Mercury's management on the other phone. It could be actually Freddie Mercury's ghost because I read a thing on Twitter the other day that um, who's the guy who does not Ghost Watch? What's it called? Sort of. Uh, Derek Akora. Okay, yeah. No, Derek Akora. Yeah. The TV uh, psychic. Psychic, yeah. Do you have to go, Leo? Leo, thank you I'm very so much. I'm so sorry, Leo. Leo's got to go. You. Leo's got to go to his job at a pub. Plug the pub. The old China Hand in Farringdon. The old China Hand wow. in Farringdon. And they, they do uh, they do darts and ping pong. <laughs> well, I'm going. That's it. No, food, no stop food. The hell. Okay. <laughs> two, what's your favourite album, Bowie album, Leo? Leave us with that as a twenty-year-old. Uh, oh, my favourite Bowie album is Heroes. Nice choice. Lovely choice. Excellent choice. Thank you, Leo. Thank you, Leo. Thank you very much. Uh, So Derek Akora, the TV psychic, Mm. has an agony uncle column in something like, I imagine it's TV Quick, if that still exists. Yeah, I can can imagine that. Yeah. Um, And he, people write in concerned about dead people, mainly celebrities, Mm. um, and what's happened to them in the afterlife. And Derek obviously knows uh, yeah. what's happened to them. Yeah. I mean, it must be quite, Thank God. you know, exhausting for him, considering yeah. a lot of people have died over the years. I Just mean, having the brain space, the time. Exactly, to, to, it's yeah, billions yeah. of people. I mean, luckily he only deals with A-listers. Right. If he had to deal with right. everybody, I think right. you know, it really would take a lot of space. Because are, are, okay, are there more dead people than are alive? Is it, in, is it, what it in now? In life, I mean, yeah. in, in history, yes. Like, are there more than 7 billion dead people? Uh, that's a very good question. I, I, think I, I would have thought 
It depends on when you begin the definition of people. If you include Neanderthals and all that, <laughs> right. who are all dead, yeah, then I would have thought so. I mean, if one of those comes through for Derek, that must be a nightmare. Well, exactly. It must be he... awful for Derek. There's just some, you know, if I wrote into his agony aunt column, agony uncle column, yeah. and I'm a bit worried about Unga Booga. You know, he, uh, <laughs> last time I saw him, he was running away from a mammoth. You know, he probably had quite an yeah. awful end. You know, is he yeah. okay? He would have yeah. to say, well, I think he is, but all he's saying is, <laughs> and that's quite difficult for me to understand. So. I'm seeing a man in a loincloth Yes. Who's slightly, that's, that's him. That, that's, that's Derek. That's yeah, Derek. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, someone wrote in and said that they were concerned about George Michael in heaven. Uh, that you know, he felt for some right. reason that he might be on his own and not really no one speaking to him. I don't know why George. Okay. I met George Michael. He's a lovely bloke. Yeah. Uh, so I imagine he's a lovely bloke in well, heaven. I've told you my George Michael story. Well, come, to, come that to that in a minute. Yeah. Uh, so Derek wrote back a very nice, reassuring thing, right. saying, "Don't worry." George is hanging out with Michael Jackson. And oh, okay. they're proposing wow. music together. Uh, they're playing. They're talking. Mm. Uh, he did actually say at one point, brilliantly, they can get any equipment they like. Wow, that really is. Yeah, they don't have to go to Gumtree or anything. Or, but you, you know, imagine, I mean, uh, any concept of heaven, you say, yeah, it's, it's, it's brilliant. It's wonderful. The only thing is you can't get the equipment to do the <laughs> you think, Well, that's not heaven then, is it? So yeah, you'd, no, but it goes I love, without saying. I think. love the idea that they're up there and George is saying, well, I think what we need here is a yeah. Roland keyboard. Do you think we could get such a thing? Think, is of course. it possible? Where can we get it from? You know? Yeah. Well, mm. <laughs> There's a place at Kilwell High Road, but that was quite complicated <laughs> to go down and get it. Wow. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so, so he's having a good what time. interests me, that's the reason I said that it mm. might be Freddie Mercury. Because actually, when I read that, I posted on Twitter mm. that maybe Freddie Mercury was a bit put out. Because by George and Michael, you know, hanging out and writing music right. together, maybe Freddie's looking on and thinking, hang on a minute, what are right. me? I see what you mean. I, yeah. I like these guys. Yeah, I work yeah. with, with them. You know, they're, they're ignoring yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. You know, and yeah. it's possible that someone else... John Lennon or whatever, is standing by yeah. saying, well, what about this song by the B-52s? We could work with that. Yeah. Maybe we could all get together and do a cover of yeah. Rob Lobster. No, but I... I um, <laughs> What's the uh, other B-52s big hit? Love Shack. Love Shack. I mean, both are absolute mood killers. They, they're <laughs> they're all right. Ne- I never understood the B-52s. I think they're like... It's like a cartoon... His voice and the whole thing just it's like an awful I musical. Think it's funny, I didn't know that. that, that Peter was saying about John Lennon thinking, I'll be down with the kids, I'll mention the yeah, B 52. I know, it's. I'll mention the Brother, man that, Brother Beyond, that'll. The man that wrote Norwegian, I mean, Where Do You Start? I Am the Walrus, and he's sort of into Love Shack. Yeah. Is, is, when I made um, Deal or No Deal, have I ever told you this? Oh, what's happened? Um, <laughs> we moved, moved from Norwich of Wood no, to deal we're, no we're, deal. We're, we're not talking about Noel Evans going into the jungle. Well, which is quite, I think which, we should talk about that. Well, I think now, it, now that you mentioned that you made Deal or No Deal, just to reiterate, what? I think there's a lot of people who probably still don't quite grasp this. You're quite an important television executive. I'm not sure. Well, well you, I've made you, some shows. You, well, yeah. name some of the shows that you would say, not that you created necessarily, but yeah. that bear your hallmark. Help My Dog Is As Fat As Me, well, there BBC we go. Three. I mean that. Uh, Big Brother, Deal or No Deal, Million Pound Drop, do you remember that? Yeah. And then obviously things like Black Mirror and Peaky Blinders. This was all part of Endemol. Um, yes, so you, this, this... you were Endemol. So you, you were basically the person who destroyed culture by making um, reality, tele- reality television did I the main thing in television. <laughs> I'd say... We made so, Black Mirror as well. This is yeah, what I no, always used to do. Things as well. No, I, I think Big Brother's incredible. So there was it was car- incredible. It's like carbon offsetting. If yes. Depending on where I am. <laughs> if I'm at a posh dinner party with people like you there, yeah. I'll say, oh, Black Mirror and Peaky Blinders yeah. and... Um, 
you know, um, not Benidorm, that was one of them, but yeah. I'd think of something posh. Something if I'm with people who actually watch telly, I might say Big Brother. Although even now, Big Brother's such an old-fashioned thing, isn't it? You can't it really is. say it. It's it not is, very but, exciting for but people But the fact that you, you were there at the start of I Big was Brother, there, yeah, yeah. It's kind of extraordinary. Um, no, now, I brought um, that up for a reason. Well, only, only I was going to say, well, I was just going to say that when we made Deal or No Deal, yes. and you've mentioned George Michael, who is now Dead. recording with Michael Jackson, yeah using Fender amps, yeah, whatever he wants. Apparently, yeah, it's, um, it's all there in heaven. Uh, is that there was a phone call and my... From assist- the banker? No, I did have lots of phone calls from the banker. <laughs> right. I can now say freely, his name was Glenn Hugel. He's a lovely fellow. He's a real person? Yes. Can Glenn you say Hugel. it freely? Uh, yes, because the show's off and finished and... It's never coming back. Uh, well, I don't know. I'm sure it'll come back one day. But Glenn the- Hugel, ladies and gentlemen, was the banker. Glenn is a brilliant man. He's got his own... He, in turn, is a TV producer, brilliant TV producer. Is he not a banker? And he listens to this, by the way. Hang on. Is he not a banker? He's not a banker. Oh, for fuck's sake. No, no. Unless Nothing is real. Unless you're using rhyming slang. He totally is. <laughs> no, he's a lovely man. And he used to be in Coronation Street. He was well, an actor. He's not a banker. No. No, it's not very. It's not multi-level what you have to do on Deal or No Deal. Yes, well, I not... assumed it was actually someone from the city, perhaps in a pinstripe suit, <laughs> in like the gherkin, <laughs> phoning up Noel with you know he only had a, a certain amount of money in his hedge fund. So right, it was you know you had to be careful giving, no. giving away whatever hundred fifty no. grand. It wasn't Fred the Shred or anyone. It was not a. It was a TV. Weirdly, it was a TV show (laughs) made by TV producers. Is how it worked. Okay. And Glenn was very clever and had this brilliant relationship with Noel. And yeah. uh, Anyway, he. uh, he, I. I. um, So I had a phone call, not from the banker on this occasion, and my assistant said, "There's a phone call from George Michael," and I thought, "How funny!" Because that's like George. That's the name of. George Michael. That's the name but of the I wonder pop who star. It, yeah. But who could it be? Who could it be? And it was a mobile number. And I suppose I must have thought, because I wouldn't just call someone back if I didn't know. So I suppose I thought, well, there's a chance, I suppose. So I phoned this mobile number. And, well, you know what it's like. You know, it was unmistakably George, you know, Michael. It was Calling his, you? Uh, yes, he'd called through to the office. Wow. And I was calling him back. When was this? This was this would have been, uh, so something like 2006, seven something like okay. this. And um, so I phoned... So there was George Michael, and I could tell it was him. And basically what he was saying was... And this story's been published, because I was never going to tell it, uh, but it was published, for reasons you'll understand in a second. And he said, "Um, I've seen these people on Deal or No Deal, and they haven't won any money, um, and they want to raise money for a charity, and I'd like to give them the money. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I want to do it, but I don't want anyone to know it's me. Yeah. And... And then he said, and also, there was another couple on, and they were trying to do so, and I'd like to help them out as well. And these are sort of thousands of pounds, yeah. but I don't want to be known. And so we did that, and he did pay them yeah. that money, and he never got known until he died. No, and that then, is amazing. Although, I'm going to slightly ruin it now yeah. by saying that... It one was of you. Things, no, it wasn't me. One of the things about that is, I think towards the end of George Michael's life, mm. tragically, because mm. he's an incredibly talented bloke, mm. He was just smoking a lot of dope no, and watching shit telly. Yeah. So, and Deal or No Deal, he watched. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm afraid it slightly confirms that image of him, even though it's a beautiful, beautiful thing to do. No, but it I, does confirm the image of him not really working yeah. on music and just watching that, shit telly and Deal right. or No Deal. And, and I would say that it was a really lovely conversation, but it went on for about 50 minutes. Oh, really? And I was very happy to do that. But I thought I got the sense of him sitting in his on his sofa, yeah. sort of just happy to chat, happy, basically, happy quite relaxed, that. quite relaxed mood. Yeah. And I don't moved... think he was unhappy. No. But I, I think I... he'd slightly lost his way. 
Yeah, and he's then said, sort of, I then said, oh, you know, we make Big Brother, because, of course, we'd asked people like George Michael to be on Celebrity Big Brother yeah. a million times. Yeah. And, and I met, literally remember what I said, because I said, oh, well, we make... Oh, what, you, th- you saw an opening to get, well, I suppose to get on it, Celebrity Big Brother? I suppose if I'm honest... God, wasn't, didn't George have enough on his plate emotionally? If I'm honest, I thought... I'm just trying to come up with stuff to talk because he doesn't want right. to get off the phone. So I'm just trying to think of things to say. <laughs> I that terrible moment. I told him the Linda story and he loved that. <laughs> and and no, and, and so I sort of said, Big Brother. And I remember his phrase, he said, Don't get me started. Oh. And then went into a thing about Big Brother. Then he got started. And he got started. It was brilliant. He was I lovely. see what this reminds me of, which is a Bowie thing, which is um, Rob Newman, the guy I used to be in a double out with. Yeah. He wrote a short story, which I think is uh, in his, he then attached to his first novel. Uh, called Dependence Day. And the story, it's a very funny idea, is about a guy who goes up to David Bowie in the street, okay. in the street, asks for his autograph. Mm. And then Bowie's really nice and has a bit of mm. a chat with him and gives him his autograph and whatever. Um, and then he meets Bowie again and they have another chat. He's really excited about it, whatever. And then Bowie says, oh, yeah, can I have your phone number or whatever? And he gets his phone number and then Bowie won't stop pestering him. Oh, that's that's, really, that's the yeah, sort yeah. of Kafkaesque yeah, yeah, comedy yeah. story. And he can't get rid of David Bowie. I know, like that, that. That's the funny story. Yes. It's, a, it's a very good little story. Yeah. But that reminds me of what you've just said, yeah. which is obviously you're really excited to talk to George Michael. Uh, By the time the 50-minute phone call is getting towards the end, a small part of you is thinking, how do I get off the phone to well, George Michael? I think, a, I think a small part of me, maybe even a large part of me, if I'm really honest, after about 45 minutes, thought... I now want to get into the world where I've talked to George Michael on yeah. the phone, and that's a really interesting thing to have happened. Yeah. And I'll have conversations like this. Yeah. But right now, I'm in the middle of the conversation. <laughs> and yeah, you're at the point where you think this is going to be a good anecdote. Yeah. But it needs to end now yeah. for the anecdote you know, to be right. worth it. And I think it's what you've said before about, you know, in the end, when we meet famous people or our heroes, you know, in the end, Bowie is our hero when he's singing... You know, heroes, heroes, for example. <laughs> that would obviously make the most sense. I can't yeah. believe you were struggling then. Yeah, for which no, I song. don't know why I found it hard to think of a hero-related, <laughs> a hero-related song. I can't believe you're thinking life um, on Mars. What should I say? Think, does anything on the Duram stuff mention heroes in any way? Because it'd be something in there. Um, but they are ultimately just human beings who might, when they're a bit bored and maybe they've smoked a spliff, sort of waffle on about stuff. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I had um, an incident with George Michael. I don't know if it's worth mentioning, although it's very sweet. Uh, which was. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. I met him, right? actually sort of in his pomp, really, hmm. uh, sort of in the late 80s, early 90s. Okay, yeah. Um, uh, and it was a small, well, a key element is it was at 
I think it was Mariella Frostrops was having a party. So okay. it was all like, you know, quite 90s, quite early 90s or whatever. Yeah. And we had a lot of I think chat. more people say Frostrop than Frostrup, but it's Frostrup. Do they? Frostrup? You said Frostrup. I think I said Frostrup. Isn't it Frostrup? You know, I'm not Swedish. So I, but You're Mariella, not Swedish. I don't know if you know that right. about me. Uh, do I look Swedish? No. Anyway, I know Mariella, so I could Yeah, no, her. I mean, I know... You know her, too. Like, anyway, I, I, it's, we should not, ask her. it's not the central point of the story. Uh, bit so, beyond, because you know, a bit, a bit late in the day, though, to ask, isn't it? It is a bit late in the day is to ask. What's those? your name is essentially what I'm saying, <laughs> someone I know quite well. Uh, but uh, anyway, so George Michael was there. We had a long chat about something very interesting, actually. Right. Which was, we both were complaining about how we felt we got a little bit of sort of class antagonism. Okay. Right from the press, that there was right. a little bit of like I was getting a bit of like middle class Oxbridge comedian right. thing, and he said, "Oh, I get a bit of that." that couldn't I be get. that's so wide of the mark, isn't it? It's so wide of the mark about me, um, and uh, and then we both said, "But the thing about us is that we don't think of ourselves really in terms of class. We think of ourselves in terms of ethnicity." Okay. Yeah. I think of myself, you know, as sort of from a Jewish background, yeah. or whatever. And he said, "Yes, I think of myself as from a Greek background." Right. Interesting enough. He's Jewish. <laughs> George Michael, I found out later. Is that right? Well, one of his parents, I can't remember his mum okay. or dad, and right, I don't right. believe in the mum-dad thing. Okay. One of his parents is Jewish. Right, one of them right. is Greek. I think his mum's Jewish and his dad's Greek. Yeah. Odd that he didn't mention that when I'm saying that. But anyway, the main point is... Just out of interest, because yeah. I know you have lots of platforms where you can say, you know, talk about what you believe and are interested in. So I don't want to be di- platforms. Well, I don't say. know, but I, I mean, don't want to diverted. Every fucking podcast. This is the only podcast I actually really like doing. But it's our podcast. It, but honestly, I'd like. A guy called uh, Louis Barth is a very funny comedy writer. Okay. Might be Barthay, like Frost Drop. I don't know. I've never actually met him. But he was on um, <laughs> he was on uh, Twitter the other day so, and he said, I'm going to do a podcast where I can speak to all the people who are always on podcasts. <laughs> and I wrote him saying, I'll be on it infinitely. <laughs> exactly. No, but when you said, I don't believe in the mum dad Jewish thing, I yeah. suppose I thought that was, I mean, it's a good, I suppose I thought that was just, that's what it is. It's your mum, that's what defines it. But you're saying, well, it, it, I, I, it, I, well no, it is, I think. Actually, I don't even know if it is. No, I don't. I, I don't what... know if it's Talmudically that, right. who came up with that idea. Yeah. It's not in the Bible or anything. Right. Um, I, myself, am with a Catholic, atheist, completely non-Jewish woman. Right. I still refer to my kids as yeah. half-Jewish, and, and they identify yeah. as half-Jewish. Sure, so, yeah. you know. Uh, and also, I think it's all about anyway, about culture and, yeah. you know, comedy and food, and it's not about religion anyway. Right. Uh, but... Anyway, the whole this story is eventually yeah. leading to another right. nice thing that George Michael did. A okay. small nice thing with all the other nice things he did, but that came out after he uh, that came out after he died, which is that when we were doing the Infidel, uh, my yeah. film that came out in two thousand and ten, uh, we didn't have enough money for pop music, and so we had to use well not library music, but we used mates of mine mainly to write the music for it. But we wanted a big pop song to finish with, and someone suggested Faith, because that's a film about religion, about Jews and Muslims. Uh, And I thought, well, that'll cost a million pounds, probably, just to use Faith. It's a brilliant song. It's a good number to come up with. Yeah, but... uh, A million pounds. A million pounds. Dr. Evil suggested (laughs) it. Um, And so uh, I managed to get in touch with George uh, via Ricky Gervais, who's going to be on this podcast next time. I'm allowed to that now. Ricky, Mm. who had him in extras gave me his PA's uh, email and I got in touch with him and he sent me an email saying it was entitled Something and Nothing from the Singing Greek wow that's a brilliant that's title amazing. Something and Nothing from yeah. the Singing Greek and he said I remember speaking to you at he thought it was Richard Wilson's party okay a slight mix up there right it was Mariella Frost Drop <laughs> <laughs> Richard Wilson's party <laughs> he said I remember speaking at Richard Wilson's party where you know we had a lovely chat 
And, you wow. know, basically it's karma, you know, that you're, that we had that chat and we got on. So wow. even though we haven't spoken, so I'm going to let you have it. Amazing. For, for nothing. That's basically. incredible. He let us have it for nothing. I mean, we, we had to pay a bit of lawyer's fees, but it was literally right. nothing. So he was With the lawyer's fees, a million pounds. A million pounds. Right. Yeah, his lawyer was Dr. Evil. That George. was the problem. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's lovely. Well, that's, uh, I liked it, the phrase you used in there, by the way, which is not, there are lots of ways of measuring poverty, but you actually said we didn't have enough money for pop music. <laughs> I've never heard that before as a definition. <laughs> yeah, we, had, we didn't have bread, we didn't have soup, we didn't have pop music. It was awful. <laughs> it was too expensive. Yeah. Price of pop music has gone up so much. Yeah. Well, yeah, of course it has in many ways, well, and many it hasn't in other ways. Um, well, which is it? I don't know. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, um, before we go any further, I've got a present for you. Oh. Um, I haven't wrapped it up. This is it. <laughs> Wow. What do you think it is? Open it. Over. We, do you want to guess? In, I should be describing this. Okay. It's in a box. Yeah, good. From Liberty, the f- famous London... Yeah, shop. Shop. Yeah. And it's about... It's it's the size of a sort of Christmas card. Yeah. I think possibly you've done enough description of it. <laughs> I, think the, I think the listeners are absolutely waiting with basic What I'm breath saying is, I don't know what's in it. Open, open it? it? Right, yeah, yeah. You might be able to guess. <laughs> Perhaps you could describe it for the Okay, listeners. so what it is is a beautiful, it's really lovely, uh, pocket handkerchief. It's is a that pocket handkerchief. Them? Now, why would um, I have bought that for you? In blue. It's really, I'm so, thank you so much. Well, before, I'm going to add an addendum to it, which might take down your thanks a little bit. <laughs> but I still, you know, well, it still is your Christmas present. I'm, I mean, I'm really, I mean, you didn't wrap it, I noticed. But no, well, uh, not only did and, I not wrap it, I didn't actually buy it. That, that, right, that. okay. Well, it's got a price on it. Yeah. Oh. So, I don't, it doesn't it? have a price. No, it actually doesn't have a price. A million pounds. <laughs> it, it, it doesn't have a price on it. No, but it I got it t- for, I'll tell you what, I'm going to tell the listeners yeah. why, uh, which is that a couple of times uh, at events, really, that I've been at, at which Tim Hicks has been at, uh, the other night at Jimmy Carr's house, we were at a party at Jimmy Carr's house. He dresses up, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, he's not particularly dressed up at the moment, but he does dress up. Well, in, he wears not a jacket. Like as a clown, or is it? Mm, well, like a no, jacket not, on. No, I don't think he's dressing up as a clown. Some would say possibly he is. Uh, but he's wearing a jacket, uh, sometimes a suit even. And Tim does something that I don't really associate with. <laughs> sort of people I know, uh, which is he puts a sort of posh hanky in his top pocket and, f- and it's fluffed up a bit or whatever it is. It's arranged. It's arranged so that it triangulates out of the top <laughs> pocket. And I have asked him on a number of occasions, why the fuck do you do that? I haven't really seen anyone do that except Captain Peacock in Are You Being Served? Uh, and, and there's you know, your answer. <laughs> and I don't know, posh people... Or on sitcoms in the in the 80s. But why do you do that? And who do you actually spend a little time <laughs> fluffing it up, rearranging it, whatever? I can honestly say I've never given it any, as much thought remotely as you have or talked about <laughs> it as you have. But when I wear a suit jacket, which I do sometimes, as yeah. you say, I find that it looks a bit empty Dry, without a... Yeah. Drab without a, a little bit of splash of colour. a little bit of colour. <laughs> splash of colour in the and top And I pocket. like... I mean, Bowie wore these yeah. quite often. I thought you in, might bring him up. In, now, in, in, in you know what? Paul Weller You and him to... are very similar in I know, fashion terms. so many ways. You know, yeah. And, and yeah. it is true that Bowie... Yeah. If Bowie had decided to wear mm. a suit, which he possibly does, we might even be able to mm. find it. Uh, a suit, some mm. kind of tailored suit yeah. with a uh, handkerchief in the top pocket. Yes. I wouldn't have thought anything of it. I've just thought yes. that's just Bowie right. adding some, you know, accessory... Mm. to his suit because he's David Bowie. Mm. You, I'm thinking, 
Tim must have thought about that mm. and must have thought, as, you know, I'm going to yeah. have a handkerchief in my top pocket. But you're saying yeah. you've never thought about no, it. No, no, I'm not. I suppose do. I'm not. I mean, how does that. it get there without you thinking about it? I know, it's weird. <laughs> I must check next time because I'm sure it is somewhat... No, but I think I like... No, I suppose I like having it there. I quite like... Right. I like the classic. I like this. I suppose I like the slightly old school nature of it. And... Um, but I wouldn't wear it with a full suit... Oh. I might wear trainers with a suit. So oh, I suppose I'm thinking, you're, you're, I'm thinking... You're subverting people's expectations. Right, just yeah. try and pigeonhole me if you can. <laughs> oh, you don't want to? Oh, right. no, no one wants to. Um, no. Well, go on, have I a mean, go. I might be the only person ever who's noticed this. <laughs> <laughs> no, I th- and, I, and I... Paul Weller used to wear the one in the sort of style council. So it is a bit of, of a rock thing. It's a sort of mod thing. Mod, I'd like yeah, to think it's a slightly dapper, well-dressed man. Mod. Yeah. Martin Freeman... Martin. Yes, Martin I think Freeman Martin Freeman would up. probably oh, wear them. Okay. Um, I think sort of people in the 60s wore them, I quite like that. So will that one I've got you, will it go with... Um, well, given the spirit in which it was given, no. Yeah. <laughs> Never going to wear it. I'm, I'm definitely going to wear that okay, one. Yeah. No, I do hope you do wear it. I mean, I did think Can I just you... say you said you didn't pay... What do you mean you yes, didn't pay Yes, well, this it? is the other point about it. And it's typical of me that I have to tell you this anyway, because it would have been nicer in some ways not to tell you this, but as you know... I'd be I, lying. I'd Maybe be lying, I'm a mm. true third or whatever. Mm. I did the big fat quiz of everything. And, you know, it was me and Frank and, and Catherine Ryan and Big Nasty and Joe Lyser and Sandy oh, that's, Kotsvig. That's a big so show. It was fairly, you know, uh, TV, what you know, people you see on TV... Uh, and Jimmy Carr, of course. Anyway, uh, they give you, you will know this as a TV executive, when you do television, they give you gifts in your dressing room. Right. Uh, flowers, which I never want. Like, I don't, I mean, I don't want you to be too male about this, but I always right. think, fucking hell, what am I going to do? I've got to carry flowers home now. And all oh, I stuff. see. Oh, okay, yeah, I, so. I would like, by the way, if you ever want to buy me flowers, I like flowers. What's wrong with you? Uh, that goes with the handkerchief in my mind. Uh, <laughs> and golf. Yeah. Let's, do, so, let's not get you started give me flowers, on uh, there was something else. Oh, yeah, some Elemis stuff. I mean, yeah, it's okay. so metrosexual. And then there was this. There was the posh silk handkerchief, which, wow. by the way, I didn't even really look at. I just thought, oh, God, what do I want to do with that? And then I thought, I know. I'll give it to Tim Inks, of course. Or Jimmy Tarbuck. Uh, in fact, I had a slight... Yeah, I don't know Jimmy Tarbuck so well. Right. I had a slight row with my wife, with Morwenna Banks. Not a row at all. But she said, oh, can I give this to my nephew? Alex, yeah, uh, who, who, by the way, is a bit of a sort of mover and shaker in the city or wants to be. That's what right. he wants to be. I met He's him. 20. I met him at your house. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> right. When we... Right, when well, the he, gerbil... Yeah. Yeah, he's a, well, not a gerbil. He's a, <laughs> he, he was a guinea pig. He died... Terrible of you to bring that up at this point. Guinea pig. As it happens... And to call him a gerbil, a gerbil to make it worse. As it happens, my cat monkey is very unwell. At oh, this no. Moment. I'm really worried oh, about him. God, no, no, I've, I've had a, to mention that. That's worse. No, I think it might be all over for monkey, possibly oh. even today. Yeah, I'm bearing... Not again. The... I know, I think you must be part of it. You seem oh, to bring God. terrible news for my pets. Yeah, But, yeah. but that's, this is the second podcast where one of your beloved pets' life is in the balance and we're waiting to hear I news. That... <laughs> You don't get podcasts well, where this happens well, to you well, very often. Monkey is, is 21, has been with me for many okay. years, and I am very, very like, down about it. But I've, I'm battling through. Uh, and But, yeah, he wasn't well this morning. Anyway, I'm going to have to leave that, although I might even start crying. No, but, don't, don't, uh, don't, don't, don't. The, is cat ears the same as dog? Is that the same? Uh, no, no, it can't ears, be. No, well, I think he's about, cat. like, 200. I mean, you know, I mean, he's had he's had not a bad innings because we have a dog, monkey, right? um, and I was only thinking about this the other day. People talk about dog you know, yeah. for seven years, and so when they're um, so he's four ace now, so he's twenty. Yeah, what seven fours? Twenty one? No, twenty. No, twenty eight. Twenty eight. Yeah, God, he's twenty eight. And I think, oh well, that's quite useful because it's a way of helping you think about. Yeah, but it's it's not useful at all, is it? Because how how do you, even his minutes go. More quickly, 
So you can't think about... Yes. You can't... It's so completely like, mind-blowing. So animal relativity is what yeah. you're talking about here. It's like he's living in a different time... Not even time zone, but different time... Well, he isn't time actually, though. No, but that's, well, that's a, obviously why it's mind-blowing. It's just a human way of dealing with the fact that animals die quickly. But it's really useless way of thinking about it, isn't it? Because you can't... Well, it's particularly useless because now changes in diet of animals has completely fucked that up. So I think okay, cats I was, used to be seven years, favorite, right. but that means that monkey was 21 times seven. Um, um, what's 20 times 100 seven? 140. Yeah. Right? It's 147. Monkey right. is 147 years old. So it, right. The, you know, but I suppose it's also... No, no, I can see that. But, but just, the, just the idea of saying... they is So you've let's say you've taken him out for a walk on Sunday. Monkey? I'm can't, he can't even have his <laughs> no, basket. Monkey, I'm talking about... I, I mean, it's hopeful. hopeful. <laughs> I'm, talking, I'm talking about Ace the dog. Take him for a walk on Sunday. Yeah. And then on Monday you say, God, we, we should take him for a walk. We haven't taken him for six months. <laughs> for a walk. Because in dog years... You know what I mean? Or like, <laughs> Christ, he must be starving by lunch because that's like two weeks or something. So I find it very, point. it doesn't really work for me. No, like, you're right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Look, anyway, the point is I did a big fat quiz of the year um, and I got that and I decided to give it to you. But there right. is actually a musical relevance uh, to it, which is, it was a weird thing that happened, right? Which is, um, I told this story on it, which I can't remember if I told on the podcast or not, but I feel I should have told it because podcast is about music and uh i once i was with this girlfriend of mine called sarah and sarah was a bit younger than me not in a me too way uh and <laughs> but she was like 10 years younger than me or whatever. right and i this was in the 90s you're 18 yeah i was 18 at the time uh and i got invited to a party in dublin in the 1990s okay uh at which rem and you too wow. were at yeah uh, and not many other people. It was wow. an amazing little event, actually, incredible. Uh, I was flirted with by Michael Stipe. That's an old way of putting it. And they were playing together, those two? Is that the point? No, they weren't no. playing. Oh, right. They they, just... Well, REM were possibly touring. Right, right. Uh, but, no, you so two Michael were just like there. flirted with you. Because they live in Dublin, and it was a sort of... Right. The mayor of Dublin was having right. it. He was there. Yeah, Michael Stipe sort of flirted with me. And, and what, like, or like your kerchief... What, Not with a kerchief. I didn't have a kerchief. <laughs> Interesting. I did have a suit, though. That... I did have a weird... I had a suit right. on, and the suit had sort of... Uh, it was made for me by the people who make Marines and Mortimer suits. Okay. And it had a sort of lining around the around the lapel that he was started fiddling with in a kind of slightly wow. suggestive way at one okay. point. I may be imagining it. Yeah. I no, may no. be flattering myself that Michael right. Stipe was interested. Uh, but that's what I've always felt. And uh, then, as a separate part of this... Now, the point is that Sarah was a little bit self-consciously not very interested in the music of old fuddy-duddies, yes. even the old fuddy-duddies that she was going out with. Right, right, So right. even though she was there, she was a little bit, I don't really know you two yeah. and R.E.M., they're not really my kind of thing. Um, and then The Edge came up and said hello to me and her and a bunch of other people we were with. He just introduced himself, had a hat on, of course, yeah. said hello. And he, and he goes, uh, at one point, I think Sarah said, sorry, who are you? Right? And he goes, hello, I'm The Edge. Right, and she goes, which is reasonable if you don't know who he is. Right, sorry. Yes. Right, yes. and he goes a bit red. He goes, "Well, I'm the Edge." Yes, and she goes, "What? What was your name again?" <laughs> right, right, and he went really, really red. Right, and went. Well, well, my real name is David Evans. I think, but people call <laughs> wow. me the Edge. Right, he cracked. Uh, yeah, on he the cracked push. because obviously. 
it suddenly became clear that yeah. his name is not a name, it's an abstract yeah. concept. Yes. And it doesn't really work yeah. as a name if you've never sure, heard it. Of course, right? yeah. So it was quite embarrassing. And then yes. I, I moved her away because uh, it was just getting awkward. I said, do you, do you really not know who that is? Right? And she said, well, I could tell he was kind of rock and roll kind of guy, which is why I thought it was odd that he was saying his name was Reg. <laughs> really? <laughs> right? Now, I told that story last night right. on, the sh- on that show. Much worse than that. I remember, I, I, as I was telling it, I was thinking, I don't remember this story. It just came up by chance because someone had mentioned it at the edge. Someone yeah. had mentioned you two. And I told it quite badly. It still got a laugh, but I didn't tell it as well as that. Uh, and then, incredibly, I went round the back for a piss because it's a very long show. And Sarah was there. What? Sarah was at the show. Who? I didn't know she was at the show. My ex-girlfriend. Who you haven't seen for I, I haven't seen her for ages. Like, I mean, not since then. That's I've mad, seen her a couple it? of times. Yeah. I haven't seen her for two years. Yeah. She was at the show. Right. It turns out she's a friend of... This is a bit TV in. She's a friend of Saeed Awasi. Okay, yeah, yeah. Right, who, who was Channel yeah, 4 yeah. Entertainment. Of course, yeah. And, and she'd just come to the show. So just by chance... And I'd, then did you talk I'd about it? i actually said... My ex-girlfriend, Sarah, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, obviously we talked about it. And yeah. Is she, yeah. She was very pleased about it, because she'd been mentioned by yeah. chance. So there we That's go. That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, now, if she thought it said Reg... Yeah. That... I think what she meant it... was, I couldn't... I thought he was saying his okay, name was yeah, Reg. Okay, yeah, wasn't sure, yeah. I couldn't believe his name was Reg. Because if he that... said, my name's Reg, you'd think, okay, hi, Reg. Yes. So it wasn't that. I yeah. have thought this many times. Yeah. Particularly if the person who'd come up to us was Elton John. Totally, yeah. I mean, then it would have been totally yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah, Because well, Elton's thought... decided to call himself by his real name. But if you're thinking he's saying the Reg, <laughs> I suppose that does. Well, if, he, if he's shortly saying I'm the Reg, you really, really would have thought, <laughs> blimey, this bloke thinks he's such a lad. He's yeah. come up and he said, hello, I'm the Reg. You know, the Reg. <laughs> Everyone knows me, the Reg. Yeah. But even that's really slightly less wanky than saying. No, but the I edge. think I might like you two a bit more if it was called the Reg. Yeah, well, that's I think true. it would introduce a little bit of the sort of self knowledge that I think you two lack a bit. That's a little, little bit true. of humour. But you're right. I mean, I've never really understood why, what her problem was, or whether a tiny part of her was thinking, I'm just refusing to accept. And you didn't. That the edge is coming up and, and saying. Did you ask her last night? Did you say, oh, by the way, it makes me think, I wonder what no, your problem No, I didn't ask her last night. No. I should have done, perhaps. Yeah. Anyway, there um, we are. But interesting that at that. And although you find my kerchief, are they called kerchief? The ha- pocket handkerchief, yeah. puzzling and and uh, uh, perhaps distasteful. I don't I find it distasteful. It? Well, I find um, it is charming, but a little fine, bit quizzical. Right. Okay, so given that, yeah. it's interesting that on a you're on a TV show, and one of the presents they give the people on it is is a pocket handkerchief, almost yes. as if it's not that weird, <laughs> and and that the problem might even reside with you. Okay, because you say that right. Let me go through again who the people on that show were. It's me. Right. It's Frank Skinner. Yeah. It's Joe Lysett. And it's Big Nasty. Right. right. Now, who are those people? I, I mean, we can Google image them now. Would you, wear you imagine a, wearing a, a pocket I suppose it's not so much kerchief. that. I suppose it's just that if they're saying, right, we should give presents to these people, yeah. and someone says flowers, and someone says, and then they say, well, pocket handkerchief, someone doesn't say, what? You're mad. Those are ridiculous. They just think, yeah, that's a nice gift. That's a nice thing to give them. <laughs> so they're not that weird, like yeah. if yeah. they said, give them a, a rake, or so, I don't know. <laughs> and someone would go, what? You know, for the garden. Like, why would you give that? Yeah, or whatever. I'd much rather have a rake. <laughs> I have to tell you, if I'd had a rake, you wouldn't have been getting it. How I many been, shows? If I had a Liberty's rake, there's no way you'd have been getting How it. How many shows do you think you'd have to do to finally find one that gives you a rake Gardner's without Christian asking time. for it? If Gardner's I did Garden's Question Time, yeah. I'd almost definitely get If I got a pocket handkerchief on Garden's Chest, I'd say, fuck off, where's my rake? I think, I think you might have to go out on that. I think on Garden's Question, they say, what type of rake? Because they think you don't garden. If you're just calling it a rake... <laughs> I think we'll go out on that. Thank you very much for listening. That was Stalking Time for the Moon Boys. We'll see you in the next one. 
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.